1: The Chicago Bears defeat the Carolina Panthers 23 to 16 in a game that sends them to a raucous five and one on the year. I bring on to Bears' blog's Jonathan Wood to digest this game with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, Bears fans, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I'm coming at you, well, you're not going to hear it live, but we're live right after the Bears' recent win against the Carolina Panthers that pushes them to 5-1 and one with none other than the Bears blog's own Jonathan Wood, the statistics wizards that basically rules all Bears fans' numbers-related questions. And I got to tell you, Jonathan. Jonathan, as usual, and has been the story this entire Bears season, this was sloppy, this was mind-boggling, this was maddening, this was frustrating, and it was victorious at the end of the day. And, you know, past a certain point, you shrug your shoulders and you say, that Panthers team is Undeniably, pretty good. The Buccaneers team that they just beat is a very good football team. Five and one is a good place to be, and it's not a—it's not some cupcake schedule that they've just waded through. Certainly, they've had their issues, but I like where the team's at so far, sort of. And we'll get into that more in a little bit. But when it comes to your initial thoughts of the game and where the Bears are this season, how are you feeling?
0: Yeah, I think you really hit it on the head. It's just so weird. Like you walk away from every game feeling like they didn't play well, but yet they won. So, like, why am I, like, feeling angry? Um, it just feels like there's so much talent on this team that they they should be playing better, but they're still playing just well enough to win because they're usually more talented than their opponent.
1: <laughs> That's, that feels exactly right. I know if there's one theory- series that exemplifies that more than anything. I think it's that first touchdown the Bears scored, where they came straight after Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. They pick off the pass, pull it back to what was that? The 7 or 8 yard line? I can't quite remember. They run one play-action rollout that seems to get Graham open, but ultimately he's just too slow to make a play on it. Nothing happens. They then hand the ball off and have a quote-unquote successful run, meaning that they cut the distance in half, which uh, along the end zone, I think you've talked about that at some point. That's considered successful even if just barely now it's what third and four so they take a delay game coming out of a timeout fall back to third and nine and Foles throws a touchdown pass to kulk met i mean it's it's gross you don't look at it and say this is pretty football but it's productive at that point and hey that's it's not a bad place to be it's a weird experience watching this bears team was there anything that stuck out to you in particular today I just
0: want to shout out Roquan Smith, man. He was all over the field in pass coverage, especially, Um, you know, there were, I think the final stat line for Mike Davis was like four targets, two catches for three yards or something like that. They just kept trying little dump offs to him, which is Carolina's game. Um, They do lots of short passes and pick up actually more yards after the catch than they do before the catch. They are one of only five teams in the NFL uh, to have that coming in. And so Roquan Smith really shutting that down for Mike Davis, who's been big through the air for Carolina in the last few weeks, I thought was a really big key for Chicago's defense.
1: Roquan Smith has been balling. And another group that I guess we need to shout out the Bears defensive line not only held their own in the running game for the most part but they were coming after Carolina in the pass rush and it really seemed to stymie their offensive game plan I know that I had recently gone through and skimmed the Buccaneers versus Panthers tape not only to get a sense for what the Panthers were but also to make sure that I understood what the Buccaneers defense was in lieu of that naggy play calling breakdown I just put out and the Bears were pressuring Bridgewater in a very similar way to the Buccaneers, who are one of the best pass-rushing teams in football, and that's exactly—I mean, that's exactly what you want to see in in one tiny phrase. They were great today, and frankly, without the way that they had played, I don't know if the Bears are able to pull out a win. Right? Yeah,
0: I mean. Carolina's game is
1: all about the short, quick passes, which usually avoids like sacks
0: or too much pressure. I think they uh, had given up about eight sacks coming into this game, and the Bears got Bridgewater four times and hit him several other times as well,
1: which they I think were. is
0: yeah a testament to certainly the pass rush, but also the pass coverage as well, forcing him to hold the ball for that split
1: second extra, so the pass rush could get home. Do you have how many rushing carries he had, by the way, Bridgewater? Because it felt like he was tucking and running all the time, because nothing was open. Yep. He had uh, eight carries for 48 yards.
0: And I think only one of those was designed on that like goal line read option Mm -hmm. that he kept it. Um, The rest of them were all scrambles and it felt like right up the middle on most of those. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the one thing I'd probably uh, complain about with their defense today was when they were rushing the passer. I don't know if it was the game plan that they just wanted to go wide or they just didn't keep gap integrity, but he kept just stepping up and taking
1: off up the field for 10 yards. It felt like. I'd imagine it's the latter because the back ends plan, like when they're covering those pass uh, routes that Carolina likes to use, Carolina likes to send tons of crossing routes across the middle and moving people. Basically, Carolina's whole game plan is probably going to end up with a bunch of receivers on the sidelines or too deep to matter. And so that open middle of the field... It just was going to exist, and I think the Bears came into this comfortable letting that happen. One thing that occurred to me around the probably after the first two series is that I know I had worried a lot about what the Panthers would do as far as that yak attack against this Bears defense but I hadn't thought about how much that would change once they got into the red zone and the Panthers when the Bears uh, had or when the Bears tackled anybody such that it started a first and 10 with 15 yards or less to go it seemed as if the whole Carolina offense shrugged its shoulders and went well I have no idea what we're gonna do from here it looked very much like let let's just call it what it is, the 2019 Bears offense that wanted to have a plan in the red zone, but didn't really have something like the red zone weapon that I can't believe I'm saying this Jimmy Graham has become for the Chicago Bears, where at least they have some semblance of what they want to do in those short yardage situations. And the Bears kept putting the clamps on. I'm surprised Carolina scored a touchdown, which when you can say that about your defense, I mean, that's that's pretty good, and it's not a recipe for success everybody wants to follow. But it's it's five and one so far, and you start to wonder. I wonder if this will work long term.
0: Yeah, and I mean that certainly worked in this game, but this wasn't the first game where the Bears do that. Like they'll give up some yards in the middle of the field, but they really clamp down. I saw, um, I think the stat this week was I know they're first in the NFL and fewest touchdowns allowed. I think it was only eight, so now nine through six games, um, and you know the last three weeks. Right. It was 19 each of the last two weeks, 16 today. So that's three touchdowns and 11 field goals um, by their opponents over the last three (laughs) games. And that's how you win football. Right. You're not giving up points because they're not finishing
1: drives. And they are stymieing teams in pass coverage when they get to those short yardage areas. It means that a lot more guys have to interface, for instance, with Jalen Johnson, who it seems like if there's a point where you want to by Jalen Johnson, it's in that 20 to 20 middle of the field because you can send guys on vertical routes and he's got a, he's still a rookie corner and that's where it seems like he's getting beat more than any other route concept. But when you give him 15 yards to play press man, he's at his best. It's It's a pretty decent recipe for success, like you're saying, because at that point, the Bears defense can commit an extra guy to the running game, which seems to work. I mean, I've now spent weeks expecting the Colts to run on us, the Buccaneers to run on us more, the Panthers to run on us more, and the Bears defense is apparently doing just enough to push these offensive coordinators back to passing. I mean, I have to imagine that having played this, or that the fans that are playing this Bears defense are writing up on their forums just like ours are about why their coach can't commit to the run against a Bears defense that's giving up just enough to theoretically lean into it, but every Everybody's pass-happy nowadays. It's a weird psychological game. These Bears seem to play with opposing offenses. But just like how at the end of the Buccaneers game, Bruce Arians called a run that didn't work and two straight passes that also didn't work and saved the Bears' timeouts for them, Matt Nagy and Matt Rule kept throwing when they probably... I won't talk about Matt Nagy needed to run the ball, I guess, because he went, what, 19 for 58 yards. Nothing impressive, but that's a story in and of itself because... I guess we've got a decent time to switch gears. This Bears offense was all over the place. It had moments I felt like where it looked like it not only knew what it was doing but was doing it well, and moments where it just looked absolutely awful. What did you think?
0: Yeah, um, I think my biggest worry coming out of today, um, for season long, is their run game. Right? It's been really bad the last two weeks, but it was while they were playing literally two of the best run defenses in the NFL. So maybe that accounts for it, but it was awful today too against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And that to me is really, really concerning because if you can't run the football, your offense now relies entirely on Nick Foles, who, I mean, I don't think even his biggest supporter is going to say he's a good quarterback. He's, he's a competent at best, really streaky. Um, And we saw that today, right? They had some times when the offense was working okay when Foles was on But then sometimes when he starts missing a throw here or there and all of a sudden the whole offense just shuts down because they can't do a single thing.
1: Oh, yeah. And then there's other times where Foles gets run out of the pocket and decides I'm just going to chuck a ball up to Demetrius Harris and hope for the best. And it ends up an interception on the 10 yard line. Like you're saying, I mean, I've been very pro-Foles, you know that, it's very easy to mistake me as some kind of a huge Foles supporter, but this Bears offense's game plan, which seems to be we're going to ride Foles' arm for as far as it'll take us, is a flawed one at the end of the day. Not only does it get Foles hit, over and over and over, but also it's just—I mean, 23 points with seven of those coming off of an assist by the defense. It's—it's uh, it's just not that great in today's NFL. It used to be in 2019; it actually would have been a pretty decent offensive out. But but here in 2020, I I find this mind-boggling. But the 16th, so the median team in points per game right now is scoring about 25 and a half points. The scoring is way 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 up and so the bears roughly 21 and a half average is sitting i mean almost near the bottom It's wild, but that's where we're at. And the Bears have got to find a way to run the ball. I know James Daniels is hurt, but every team's missing somebody. And for the Bears running game to go from, hey, I mean, it looked like it had some decent legs in the first two games of the season to, nope, it's back in the tank, is a huge disappointment. Given that this is DVOA's 29th defense against the run, you'd hope for better than this.
0: Yeah. um, I guess the one thing that I take a little tiny bit of encouragement from is they were a little better in the fourth quarter. Um, I tweeted out at one point, like late in the third, that the Bears running backs had 10 carries for 10 yards. Um, And now uh, Montgomery finished with 19 for 58. So his last 10 carries, nine or 10 carries then gained like about 50 yards. So, That's more like what I would have expected for the whole game. I don't know why it took them three quarters to get to that point, but at least in the fourth quarter of their run game, it wasn't great, but it had some life that it wasn't completely terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what this Bears offense has been like to evaluate this season, too. It feels like it's constantly been on the precipice of maybe becoming something consistent and decent, but it's so sputtery in both phases, the running game and the passing game, that you just can't nail down anything in particular. I mean, so I gave Nagy a lot of credit last week, and I still think he deserved it. And this week, I this was a very, very spotty like play calling effort, and I don't know anything. Like, I, I have to make this 100% clear it's so hard to evaluate play calling without the all 22, and I learned that in detail this last week. But going back to simple things like the what was that, the full house three running back play on second and 10 at the goal line with, with the ability to put the game away that ended up in just a throw to nowhere Ugh. oh, you just wish that the Bears could do things without needing trickery because the trickery starts to feel feel less like, oh, 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 we're out thinking you and more like desperation and desperate offenses tend not to get anywhere. I would love to see the Bears find a way to get more consistent across the board, and once again, details seem to harm the Bears as different plays like Allen Robinson dropping, maybe it was a contested catch, hard to tell, there at the end of the game off third and two, but seemed to hit his hands, and then it hit the ground where the Bears could have run it. I don't know, I wanted to see that converted. And of course the Bears came back and they immediately got an interception, great thumbs up we win this is good but the bears offense needs to be able to close out a game against a not very great defense or we're going to run into games like the saints where a good offense will do everything it can to beat the bears offense and the or beat the bears defense and that bears offense has to contribute maybe a little more than they did today do you think i'm off base here not at all and
0: i'm thinking more just in the division you know they still have to play green bay twice and green bay's offense has just looked out of this world so far this year and so, like, the Bears are going to have to be better if they want to, you know, you can make the playoffs as, like, a six mm-hmm. or seven seed just with talent and not really ever bringing it together. Great. What yep. does that get you? You lose in the wild card, and we, we weren't completely terrible. Well, I, I want to see more from this team. They they need to show more. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you did a, a, you have this great description of Foles that I love, that he's like a mirror. Right? He's going to show you exactly what the play calling and people around you are capable of in the offense. He's not going to elevate people, but he's not going to hold them back either. And I think it's safe to say that three weeks into the Foles as the starter era, the reflection we're seeing in that mirror is
1: very ugly. Mm-hmm. I wish if, if there's one player that I could add back to this team, it wouldn't be James Daniels. It wouldn't be Eddie Goldman. It'd be Tariq Cohen. He's such an underrated weapon for this Bears offense because he's able to take advantage of underneath space and go create space downfield as sort of a slot weird weapon thing because he is a running back. He's not a receiver, but he can play receiver at a much better level than most running backs. I wish I could add him because without him, sure. I like Darnell Mooney just as much as the next person, but I think you'd agree, Jonathan, this Bears offense isn't exactly loaded with talent. Its offensive line is anywhere between average to bad, depending on the day. Today, they definitely seemed more on the bad side. Foles was under pressure all day long against, again, The tw- I think they're also 29th worst in pass rush. So they're not a team, Carolina, that traditionally pressures the quarterback, but they did (laughs) against Nick Foles and the Bears. That's not something you want to see out of this offensive line. Allen Robinson is a great receiver. Darnell Mooney certainly looks like he's on his way. But then Anthony Miller catches the ball at a first down line and backs off of it. And the Bears end up losing a first down because for some reason he just decided to give it away. And then when you look at guys like Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham has been way more productive than I anticipated that he would be. I will call a spade a spade, but that doesn't make him great. If you look at the the tight end landscape, he's immeasurably better than anybody we had last year, but that's not really saying much. He's like a passable tight end. But a lot of these balls that he's catching and he turns upfield and he gets four yards might be even up to 15, 20 if we had somebody like Trey Burton even from 2018 before the whole mess that was the rest of his career took place. It's, it's bizarre. Cause like you're saying this foals reflection, it's a weird one. Cause I'm not loving the bears offensive talent. I'm not loving a lot of what Nagy's trying to do to make up for it. Cause again, it starts to feel desperate past a certain point. And yet to just close this whole thing up on a positive note, they do squeeze out 27 or 23 points and ultimately kept a lead the whole game. If there's one positive change that's come from Foles being in, it's that the Bears seem to be pretty good at starting from back in their own territory and driving into deep field goal range and giving a 30-yard chip shot to Cairo Santos, who totally came through on a 55-yarder as well. That deserves a hat tip. But that's an improvement instead of the, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when I talk about like the 34-yard stone wall that has blocked the Bears for almost two years running. At least they're able to get over that, but I do want to see them get in the end zone more often. Goodness gracious.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking through the Bears' drives right now, and um, besides that awful, awful Foles interception on the first play of the drive, every other drive they had through getting to 23 points, they gained at least... um, 20 yards, I believe, on every single drive. Then their last few, they were more just running clock, and that was not good on their part. But um, you know, it's they're at least doing something. It's just right. that they're not and part of this is today with Carolina's uh defensive game plan is that uh Carolina does not um Carolina does not like to give up big plays. They like to drop back in coverage and make you pick them apart underneath, and that leaves um, you, know, you have to string together a long drive without mistakes and like you're saying with like anthony miller makes a mistake or the o-line makes a mistake and blows blows a play up or nick Foles misses a pass or alan robinson drops a pass they just aren't consistent enough to mm-hmm. do that they need to look down the field and try to get big plays more to spark um, actual scoring drives
1: and they were not able to do that today not at all and again where I will credit Foles and this Bears offense is that that point in early, maybe even late in the second half, where Foles was like 10 for 11, the Bears were clipping along. They are able to do that, and there is some credit due there to Matt Nagy who, and Nick Foles who are putting together enough of a game plan to take advantage of those underneath holes. But, again, it felt like the Bears offense could have really planted their flag in this game, especially in the second half where the defense seemed to be Giving them opportunities and they couldn't quite do it they came back down after carolina had uh scored a touchdown and they did answer with a field goal so better than it has been maybe but they still didn't get a touchdown like they didn't plant the dagger and then the next drive like you're talking about third and two whether Allen robinson catches it and falls forward for a first down which would have worked because at the end of the day i know there are a ton of people that say you have to run the ball there and To a degree, you're right, but at the end of the day, in the modern NFL offense, I'm comfortable with anything that gets a first down. Like, I'll go totally results-based there. Just give me a conversion. And they didn't convert, and that bubbles back up to the play caller. And you say, well, it didn't work, so you're going to have to figure something out, and it needs to improve. We'll see. Again, I I hate talking too negatively amidst a win because it makes it sound like we lost. And after this next upcoming break, I would love to spend a little more time talking about the defense because this was, I think, their best performance of the year so far. And it was a really wonderful one to see. And I want to let you stew on that as we give our sponsors a break. We'll be right back. Awesome. I am back with Jonathan Wood following... A huge Bears win over Carolina that really puts them in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. And I'll kick it over to Jonathan because he's got a stat about 5-1 and teams that I think everybody's going to want to hear.
0: Yeah, so somebody went back and calculated um, what your playoff odds are at any given uh, win-loss record based on the new expanded seven team playoff format. Uh, Before the start of this season and teams that are five and one make the playoffs 90% of the time in that format. So the bears are in really, really good shape uh, going forward here.
1: I can't wait. That has me really, really excited because then I look at the teams like what we've got on the rest of the schedule, and the Vikings, the eternal enigma that has been their season, just got blown out by the Falcons, and we still get to play them twice a Detroit team that honestly seems to change week to week. Uh, we get to play the Jaguars, who look very bad, Houston, who's all over the board, amidst a bunch of other teams that are very good tests like the Saints, like the Rams, like the Titans. But with the Bears having gone five and one through a stretch where a lot of people had them going as low as two and four, they they have the ability to lose to the Rams, lose to the Saints, maybe even lose to the Titans, and still stay in that playoff conversation. This feels like a huge, huge win to me, regardless of how sloppy it is.
0: Yeah, that uh, the three and zero start. You know, first three weeks they had three pretty bad teams. Um And they won all those games, um, which was nice. But then, you know, the last three, they've been against good teams and they managed to go two and one, which is huge. Um, I, I always say if you can go 500 against the good teams and beat up on the bad teams. You're in pretty good shape. And so mm-hmm. um, they're in a position now they can go one and two in these next three games. They went 500 in that six game stretch where they were all good teams mm-hmm. Um, and they'd be sitting at six and three which is in real good position you know when three or four of your last six
1: when the schedule eases up a bit and you're in good shape going forward absolutely and one other thing i think if there is a note of positivity about this bears offense is i feel like we get a team every single year last year it was the ravens i'm And I'm sure we could think of others. I know there was like the Eagles back in 2013, led by Michael Vick, that always tends to peak in the dead middle of the season. So they play their best football week 7, week 8, week 9, week 10, week 11, and then the league kind of adjusts to them. And at this point, the Bears do not look like they will be playing their very best football in the middle of the season. They may finally cobble it together late, and that's something to, I think anyways, actually look forward to because as they have stumbled around as they've seemed to still be finding their footing with Nick Foles under center as well as just this general Bears offense and defense they are piling up these wins and like you're talking about every single one of them counts at the end of the year they don't they don't really look at point differential when they're coming up with scoring. They just look at your record, and the Bears are collecting conference wins and just wins overall. It's exactly what you want to see I, at that end. I couldn't be happier about this.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's tough to argue five and one so far, and I think um, my experience as a Northwestern fan here is maybe uh, coming in, coming to in handy because. Their approach is a lot like what the Bears' approach is this year, is they're, they're going into games looking to win a close, ugly, low-scoring game. Based on their team makeup, that's kind of what they have to do to win. And Northwestern's done it pretty effectively. I mean, 2019 was awful, but otherwise pretty effectively in the last five or six years. And I think we're seeing the Bears doing that pretty effectively this year. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is it gives you a pretty small margin for error in any given week. Um, It it can be pretty easy to slip up and lose a game that you feel like you should have won um, just off of like one busted play on defense or bad turnover that like a pick six or something Um, you have. You're not going to be blowing teams out of the water where one mistake won't kill you, but um, it it is an effective way to win games when you've got the talent to do it on defense
1: like the Bears do. And you know what's really been funny? Because like you talk about it with every single play mattering, it a, one credit to the Bears' defense is that they seem this year really, really good at taking a play away. So one thing that I've talked about with the Bears' offense is if there's something to complain about, it is that in the best-case scenario, this Bears' offense is still a three-down offense. They need all three downs to kind of go their way in some capacity for them to consistently move the chains. If, you, if they just burn a down on a mistake, stake on their end they probably end up punting and we saw that loud and clear in the bucks game on the third and two Allen robinson miss the mooney miss uh deep that ended up killing that drive and so on and so forth One thing that's cool about this Bears defense is that they seem really good at forcing those burned downs for other teams. And in a track meet NFL where people are just scoring on each other left and right, huge scores. I've never seen scoring quite like this, and certainly the jump in points per game seems to agree with that. The fact that the Bears defense will force you to execute on all three downs and every once in a while even if you beat Jalen Johnson deep just to pick on one guy he'll come back the next series and take away a short throw that you were expecting to have it's putting a lot of pressure on these teams to execute that it didn't seem like Carolina was able to live up to today and I'll tip my hat to Chuck Pagano and the talent on this Bears defense for doing that because when I look around the league there's a lot more Danny Trevathans that are slower in man coverage than there are Roke One Smiths that just are glue this guy is playing great coverage linebacking, and it's coming through exactly as the Bears could ask it to. It's fun to watch. Yeah, um,
0: I've, I found it really interesting with the points as well, just being up so much across the league. And I, I would imagine, you know, typically in a year, you see as the weather gets colder and you get farther into the season, teams have more game film to watch. Um, offensive production usually starts to dip a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that be... A larger than usual dip to come back to normal late season levels this year, Um, because like you're mentioning with Trevathan, who's not been as bad the last few weeks. um, With the off season, maybe it impacted the defenses a little bit more um, with the shortened off season, no, no uh, preseason, all those types of things. It's just taking them a little while to get going.
1: It very Uh, well could have.
0: I think we really saw that in 2018 with the Bears when they had. Um, Both Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith added in um, right before week one of the season for different reasons. The Bears' defense was pretty good early in the year, but um, at this exact point, so six weeks in, they had just lost to Miami, given up 30 plus of the defense, and then lost to New England, where I think New England scored like 38. And it was like, well, maybe this, you know, that fast 3-1 start was a mirage, and then all of a sudden the defense just like flipped a switch and was phenomenal for the last 10 games. And so I think we're going to see some defenses start to do that right about now. This is kind of when you start to get into that midseason form a bit.
1: Mm -hmm. And I hate having to talk about this subject, Jonathan, but you know I have to. One other thing that I think has become apparent that this defense is just going to have to get used to is that they are Kind of playing a game against the referees as they do it. Now, I'm not saying that just to complain about bad calls. I don't know if you know me well enough to know this. I hate talking about the referees because a fan complaining about his team getting screwed by XYZ call. To me, there's there's no point to it. It's a waste of breath. But in a year where offensive holding is in the tank, and I'm pretty sure they didn't even call a hold today, it has been really nice to see that Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Khalil Mack are, between the three of them, good enough for somebody to create pressure on any given down, because Robert Quinn, who's been kind of a ghost over the last couple weeks, showed up in force today. I'm not even sure he collected a sack, but he was moving Bridgewater over all the time, and when you're able to move a quarterback off their spot, it affects the way that not only they process, it affects their timing. A lot of times it'll take away throws outright, because if you move somebody mid-receiver break, he's not open anymore. And it's been cool, because even in a game where it's starting to feel like teams are just holding defensive players at will, they're still able to generate that pressure, and that's going to be huge going into the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I feel like the pass rush actually was not that good for the first month or so of the season, but in the second half against Tampa Bay, it really woke up. Um, we saw the, the like somebody aw- awoke the beast there with that run right before halftime in that game. And then all of a sudden Cleo Mack was cleaning up and you now you saw like Mario Edwards getting into it today. Just lots of the supporting players starting to show up more because teams have to focus so much on those big three. And mm-hmm. so I was really glad to see that just consistent uh, intense pressure on the quarterback was there from the start today, right? They mm-hmm. had that, uh, the sack, almost a safety on the first drive and then in Bridgewater's space again on the next play for an interception. And that just continued throughout the whole game. Absolutely. That, that just is going to have to be, that's how they have to win games is they just, their pass rush has to harass the quarterback. That's their recipe for success.
1: It has to, and I'll tip my hat to the Bears, a lot of times it seems like what you want to be in the NFL is a good enough team to beat both the other team and the referees when eventually poor calls start to come your way, and that sequence in the second quarter where Allen Robinson didn't get the benefit of the doubt on a defensive pass interference that forced a third down field goal, and then immediately we come back, Kyle uh, Kyle Fuller puts his shoulder on DJ Moore's shoulder as he ducks his head, gives up what might have been been a fumble at least an incomplete pass turns into 15 free yards and then oh and then that fourth and two offsides that sure didn't look like an offsides to me looked more like a defensive flinch that was free yardage I know a lot of people want me to bring up Jalen Johnson's pass interference. I saw what the referee did. I've done that a million times in lacrosse where somebody puts their hand or, in lacrosse's case, a stick right between my rib cage, and I clamp down on it. If you go back and watch, Johnson has pinned his arm against Moore well before the pass reaches Moore. So you're not going to see it as the two jump up for it. You're going to see it as they run down the field where he's taken away his right hand. But either way, even if you want to complain about that, Or take it out completely. There were a lot of things going against the Bears, very similarly to when they lost a forced fumble in Atlanta, and especially that Giants game, where I know there were a couple of nasty calls that I can't remember at the moment. The Bears have consistently overcome the Zebras when it's counted, and that's a lot of times the marks of a good team. I'm almost scared to say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and the. The one that I thought was the biggest swing today that you left out is the same as the big one from the Giants game. Was oh, Eddie yeah. Jackson <laughs> lost a pick six? I'm um, on oh, a
1: yeah.
0: borderline pass interference call, which like they it was literally the exact same play as what they called uh, did not call when it happened to Robinson earlier mm-hmm. in the game, and then they did call it and took a touchdown away from the uh, from Eddie Jackson there, and that's the same thing that happened against the Giants. That um, was what both,
1: lit me up. Both cases I...
0: that touchdown would have just iced that game.
1: Yep. In this one, I remember being so mad, not because Fuller didn't interfere. Like, I I knew he interfered. That wasn't a question. But he had beaten the ball to the spot in exactly the same way that the uh, defender on the Panthers had done to Robinson – earlier in the game and it just started to feel like everything was falling against the Bears they came out with the win nevertheless and I'm happy to see it because it does seem like it's harder than ever to play defense I would never pretend it's not it's very very difficult with all the free first downs that people are getting but one other thing that I'll credit the Bears they have been able to rack up about 70 to 75 penalty yards against the opposing team every single game since Foles has come in. He picked up another, I didn't agree with it because I didn't like it, but either way, he picked up another 2025 quote-unquote completion off of penalty yards from defensive pass interference. He picked up a couple more roughing calls that, look, they're not great, but Nick Foles is getting beaten up out there I'm not surprised if he gets one or two a game the at least the Bears offense is manipulating the opposing defense into penalties much the same way as the Bears defense is getting called for them even if I don't like it because I'm a fan of defense and when a defender beats an offensive player to the spot I want to reward him for how hard it is it's the way the game's being called right now and it's a little weird to watch but at least they're coming out of the right end of it
0: yeah. And that actually has been big for some of those drives we talked about earlier. They didn't have really like th- just three and outs or like put the defense right back out on the field much today. And their first drive out of halftime, I, I, I just remember this cause I like tweeted it out at the time. They picked up 33 yards, 26 of them were penalty yards uh, against <laughs> Carolina. And then seven were on a Nick Foles scramble on third and six for a first down. Those were the only positive yards they gained that entire drive.
1: That was the weirdest play I think we saw today, was Nick Foles deciding that he was a dual-threat quarterback, not only just running, but breaking a tackle on his way to pick up a third down. It was, it was a weird game, and it was another one where, just to talk about it, I did feel like number nine had to shoulder quite a lot of weight in this one, which, hey... Credit to him, as unimpressive as these performances have been, the Bears needed every single one of the 20 points that they scored against Tampa Bay. They ultimately won that game. They needed every single one of the 20 points he scored against Atlanta. They won that game. And they needed pretty much every single one of the 23 points that the Bears scored today, especially that tone-setting touchdown at the start to none other than Cole Kmet, who we could probably spend a little bit talking about because, while unimpressive, I guess doubling your catches on the season and coming away with a score that's a step in the right direction for the young rookie it'll be a tumultuous season for Nick Foles I'm sure and the Bears offense needs to do what they can to support him a little better or else he will break but at least he's coming away in games where we walk in we say the Bears need to win it it's an away game anything can happen in the NFL and he walks out of the stadium with a win without a defensive score that helped him thank Evans for the turnovers, though, after giving one away himself. A lot to digest there, but I guess at the end of the day, I'm not furious with Foles. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really weird, because if you just look at the statistics,
0: like, Foles has been like clearly worse than Trubisky statistically so far this year. I think he had 39 pass attempts today and didn't even get 200 yards. It's like, nope. what are you doing? That's hilariously inefficient. Right. And yet, like, I don't feel like he's playing that badly. I don't. I mean, I don't think he's playing particularly well either. But he—it's just a bad situation, and he's being the inconsistent, mediocre quarterback that
1: he is. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of what we're gonna get. It's bizarre because it does feel like the offense is a little more consistent, even in its maddening inconsistencies. We're not waiting around till the fourth quarter to pull points out of our like you know, wears, but at the same time, like you're talking about, Foles' yards per attempt are just never going to impress you. He's one of the few quarterbacks that I would look at and say his yards per attempt is about as honest as it gets because when it says six and a half yards per throw, it means it. It means that almost every time he drops back, he's going to find somebody for four yards. He's going to find somebody for six and a half. And then he'll loft a ball over to Darnell Mooney that Mooney can either mistime his jump and not catch it or time it correctly and pull down the ball. That's not a slight to Mooney. Mooney's been awesome. It's more... Once again, the details of this offense makes an optimistic person say, it's chemistry issues, they'll figure it out. And a pessimistic person say, I swear Nagy's offenses have been like this for three years running. At what point are they just going to come out and execute the plays that they are expected to execute correctly?
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is a rabbit hole you want to get down right now, but... um...
1: (laughs) I don't know if we need to either. You know, a
0: lot... When Trubisky was the quarterback, I feel like it was easy to place a lot of the blame on him because you could see he's not mentally processing what he needs to. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with Foles, but we're seeing a lot of the same issues, mm-hmm. which now that's not on the quarterback. If we we're seeing it with two different, very different styled quarterbacks, now it's, I'm starting to feel a lot
1: not as good about Matt Nagy as a play
0: caller than I was, you know, a month ago,
1: right? And it's those games like he had against Tampa Bay, where you say it's a really good defense. I'm glad we came out with enough to win that you say, hey, Maybe this whole thing worked out. Certainly it seemed to there. And then they go up against Carolina, a defense that's much less good, and still feel like they're scraping against a very good defense. And it's it's hard to watch, and you hope for change. Like you're saying, though, this is one of my favorite things about having Nick Foles in this season, is that we get to put a spotlight on a specific person. In this case, it's Matt Nagy. And to a degree, Ryan Pace's offensive talent. But I like to think we kind of know what it is. At this point, like you're saying, it's on the coordinator and the rest of the staff to contribute a solid offense that at the moment sits in terms of just points per game, which is not everything. They sit what looks like sixth up from the bottom. So that's 26th in the NFL. And you would hope that your offensive minded head coach would be able to produce a bit better than that. But Hey, it's out of our hands, and at this point, we just get to keep watching, and we'll see if they're able to do just about anything against a Rams defense that sputters a lot, but it plays really well against bad teams at the minimum, and a Saints defense that isn't very good, and they'll need to produce against if the Bears want to hang in that game at all. It'll be it'll be an interesting road, but either way, 2020, it's shaping up like an easier-to-watch season than 2019, and frankly, a little more interesting, because we know what we're watching for. Does that make sense? Sure. Um,
0: if anything, it's starting to feel to me almost more like 2019 with
1: like the, oh, look,
0: really? another run for one yard. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have to throw 45 times to try to scrape out 20 points and steal a victory here. That, that oh. sounds awfully familiar. Uh, they've just won a few more of those than they did last year.
1: That's one thing that has gotten... I don't know. I'd have to talk to more smart people than me about how offensive theory works. But Matt Nagy seems to be opening up every single drive with a run to the point where he doesn't want to run it on second down, regardless of whether or not a pass would work on first down. So he's either going to pass, 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 or he's going to run pass, pass. And it's... Again, we're winning games, but you gotta hope that at some point, we can we can see a little better out of this running game, because they sure weren't this bad against Detroit and the Giants, and maybe they're just horrible teams, and that's how it goes, but Carolina is supposed to be much worse at defending the run than this particular game, and I'm no huge Rashad Coward fan. I understand we're playing a backup at one of, I wouldn't call it the more po- like important positions, but James Daniels to Rashad Coward is a big downgrade, but even so 19 yards for 58 or 19 carries for 58 yards on what could have been at some point I swear it was like 10 carries for 15 yards it's got to be better than that against one of the worst rushing defenses in football
0: it was actually 10 carries for 10 yards for Chicago's running backs to start no. uh, Mon- Montgomery had 9 for 11 and Cordero Patterson had 1 for negative 1
1: no i thought i was no i thought i was being yeah, I thought it was not, not an exaggeration. I
0: actually looked that up and was just like, "Oh my goodness, they're averaging one yard per carry against the second worst run defense in the
1: NFL." Oh, that is putrid. But, but you know what? You know what? Positives: the defense established itself, and also, if Cairo Santos continues this trend and returns to his pre-injury form, the Bears stole a top ten kicker in the NFL out of absolutely nowhere, and that would be great. I mean, I'm not trying to jinx the guy but it would be great. (laughs) I mean, before the last, yeah,
0: before the last two or three weeks, I had tweeted out a stat that like in the last three years, he was like six for 16 on field goals over 40 yards. And then he had was, I don't remember if that was against Tampa or Atlanta, but he drilled like a big 47 yarder. I think that was Tampa. Mm -hmm. And then this week he drilled the 55 yarder and it's like, Oh, all right, well, I'll shut up now, or maybe I'll just keep bashing him, and he'll keep hitting those kicks if we want to be a
1: little superstitious. Either way works, but it's it's so funny because just like uh, the, exactly the opposite of the Buccaneers game, but very similar to Atlanta, I think, This is a game where I feel like you could walk out feeling as if your team is mired in muck and mud and dirty things, and it's got to clean everything up to be any good. But then you look at the record, and it's almost literally as good as you could ask for. It's where you want to be, and if the Bears staff can show its chops and improve throughout the rest of this year, that would be fabulous. Do you have any final thoughts about the game? Just that I I
0: think it was good to see them play from
1: ahead for a change. They've been chasing leads
0: so much this year. This was really the first time besides the Giants that they had a lead for an extended portion of the game. Um, And it was really good to see like, oh, that's what this should look like. You know, you try to build an early lead and then let your defense do its thing when they're better rushing the passer than they are against the run. And we saw that play out today and quite well. And I would like to see that game script more going forward. Mm
1: I'll echo that. One thing that was nice is that, again, they did it with almost no style points, maybe even negative style points in some cases, but they got an early turnover, and they cashed in for a touchdown. They got the ball back, drove down, and put another field goal on the board to answer a Carolina field goal, kept the lead at 7. Starting the second half, they collected their first third quarter points of the game off of a touchdown, off of a pretty good offensive drive. Carolina scores a touchdown. They answer with a field goal. When you take the style points out of it, the Bears team and kind of the offense did do the bare minimum. They did do what they quote unquote need to do. And you'd like to see them become a bit more definitive, a little more like the 2018 Bears offense was at the end of the year where it felt like Trubisky had become very, very good at just closing things out. But hopefully they get there Either way, it does seem a little better than six points through the first three quarters and all the other misadventures in Bears offensive uh, ineptitude that we've seen over the last couple of years. Jonathan, it has been fabulous talking to you. I'm so glad that you came on. Where can folks online find your work?
0: Uh, yeah, you can check me
1: out at The Bears
0: Blog, or I'm on Twitter at Jonathan underscore wood
1: one. Can't wait for their next couple games because honestly, it feels like it's all extra credit from here, you know? Yeah, they can get one in the next two. You should feel good. If they can get two, they're in a great position. Awesome. Can't wait to see it, Jonathan. Great having you on. Thanks for having me. And Bears fans, that's going to do it for this one. If you like what I have to say, feel free to find me over on Windy City Gridiron, my Twitter handle, Robert K. Schmitz, or on YouTube over at Run Pass Opinion, Whereas as you may know, I do a live stream breakdown every Wednesday night at 9pm, and then we'll see what other videos I can do do I'm really curious to dive into the Bears defensive play calling because I did offensive play calling last week and I'll obviously look at that a little bit but we'll see if anything actually comes of it in terms of content either way Bears fans have a great rest of your night bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me